Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show and the Tuesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Colin Suri is our producer, and my guest will be Taylor Twelman this hour. One of the best soccer players that has come from our town, Taylor Twelman. Looking forward to this because usually he comes in hot. I kind of like that. Comes in hot, Colin. Got to like it. Kind of like you came in on the Blake Snell news the other day. I know there were a lot of people in my personal life that said, hey, I heard Dan talking about Blake Snell. Let's get him fired up like that more often. Well, I got opinions. You know, I don't have games, so I just let it rip, man. Why not, right? That's what this platform is for. You're (laughs) killing it, Dan. I love it. He now works as a radio host for ESPN, the top soccer analyst for the network. There was team sports that returned to competition this weekend. That was soccer in Germany. What was that like? What have the practices and training sessions been like? Also, what will soccer be like in 2022? Randy and Michelle asking me about that with MLS coming to St. Louis. A visit with Taylor Twelman is coming up. All right, we start this morning with soccer. Germany saw the return of the sport as they try and finish their season. I'm not sure if you saw this, but the TV ratings were record-setting. And generally, most believe it was a pretty good product to have back on the field. Of note, though, there were injuries. And that is something to keep in mind when all these sports come back. So you're not going to just roll out the ball and say, well, go get them. It's not as easy as saying, we're back. That's concerning for all sports trying to make their way back. It's going to be a really short training camp. It's going to be a really short spring training. It's not going to be easy to say, well, everybody's back. They're healthy. Let's go. And despite an increase in the amount of substitutions in soccer available, eight players still got hurt over the weekend. And that's one of the downsides. And believe me, these soccer teams are being watched so closely, receiving calls from the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and just asking the simple question, testing, player safety, how are you doing this? More with Taylor Twelman is coming up. We'll get into that. On to baseball. Yesterday, Ribs and BK had a great show. They had Buster only on their program. And while we've heard a lot about the protocols and the testing to get on the field, much of the discussion has been, you guessed it, You guessed it, Colin. What's it been about? It's been about the money. You got it. Show me the money, especially after the comments made by the aforementioned Blake Snell. Now, I do believe we have to realize that this is very early in the negotiations, but time is of the essence. And don't think for a second that players don't want to play. They want to play. In doing so, they want it in that safe environment. Nobody disputes that. What else is being said, Buster? The biggest thing is they feel like that uh, it's going to be important to baseball fans and to you know the court of public opinion that if they have the opportunity to try to play, that they at least try, even if it means that they start up uh, and then there's a you know burst of positive tests and they have to to you know stop and the whole thing is derailed. I, I do feel like that they that they're getting a, a growing sense of we have to at least make an attempt to make. Ah, the old court of public opinion. And he's right. Can you imagine if baseball would come to an agreement on testing and safety, but then derailed over the money aspects of this situation? Man. Mm -mm -mm. The court of public opinion would be none too kind on the sport. And this has got to be give and take. Baseball is in a different position 
to an extent because the other sports, they got some of their season in. You know, hockey got about 85, 88% in. Baseball, they never started their regular season. Baseball is in trouble. Like, the industry is in trouble, and I, I feel like that... The moment calls for imagination and collaboration and trying to land, uh, you know, land safely. I've, made, I've compared baseball where it is right now to you guys who've seen the movie Apollo 13. Like the ship is damaged and it's drifting in space. And, you know, the focus, because the, uh, the original mission is obsolete and the focus really should be on landing safely and trying to move forward. But instead, what we have is the, the two uh, astronauts arguing over who gets to sit next to the window. Uh, and it kind of, what we saw last week with, you know, uh, Tony Clark, the head of the Player Association, putting out a statement saying, you know, we'll never agree to a salary cap. It's not a, a long-term thing. It's not like the owners are saying you're going to have to have a salary cap forever. They're just trying to get through this year without absolutely getting crushed financially. And there's no doubt that, you know, they're not taking in revenue. Like this sport, like all businesses right now, is just trying to figure out a w- way to navigate through. And I agree with you. I, I think, uh, you know, at least at the, at the root of it, saying, okay, we'll talk about splitting revenue 50-50. Here's some other things we'd like to talk about. You know, he's right. You have to figure it out one way or another. And I really do see both sides. I don't know if you do, if you're on the player's side or the owner's side. Um I get it. I mean, and I know we're supposed to be on one side or the other. This talk radio, give your hot take. I get it, Colin. But I see both sides of this. I'm not sure the general public does. And I don't think Blake Snell's comments help the players because it's about money in this current environment. But I do see both sides. Well, both sides have a lot at stake here. You know, I mean, you're looking at owners that are thinking, what are my revenues going to be in the future? How is this agreement going to determine what the CBA is like for next year? You look at players, there are so many players that it has an immediate impact. How am I going to pay the bills? You know, a lot of these entry-level players, especially these minor league guys, too, it just affects so much. And, Dan, I think that's really the only responsible way to look at it on both ends. Well, for a player, their window, it's short to make money. I mean, even for, you know, the the guy like Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright, the course of a lifespan, it's a short window to make your money. And to your point, minor leaguers, man, they're they're out. I mean, I don't see any chance that there's going to be minor league baseball this year. And that's why you have 50-man taxi squad to try to continue to develop your players. But uh, if you're one of those young guys like an Austin Gomber who we had on yesterday, this is his time to make that money. Daniel Ponce de Leon. Junior Fernandez, this is it. This is your time to make the money. Now, if I'm an owner and I rely on fans for a large portion of my revenue, I can see their side of it, too. However, the underlying theme in all this, get back on the field some way, somehow. That's not up for debate. And as I mentioned before, a concern, if they play, what kind of shape will the players be in? Legitimate question. And if you missed it yesterday on the show, Cardinals pitcher Austin Gomber was a guest on 101. You know, with everything being closed down, you know, you could still go out to, you know, a park or something like that and throw. I think the the biggest difference is probably just as far as just weight training, trying to find as, you know, the equipment as much, because not everybody has, you know, access to a gym or an at-home gym. Um, so that's been really the most challenging thing for probably most guys and definitely for me. You know, it took me a few weeks to kind of, you know, find the lay of the land and try to figure out what I was going to do. But luckily, I've been able to throw the whole time, you know, just grab somebody, go to the park. And, you know, most areas, most guys 
ballpark from, you know, you go back home. So you obviously have people that you play catch with in the offseason. So finding a throwing partner wasn't too difficult. So I felt like from, a, you know, an arm, just pure arm strength throwing standpoint, you know, I was able to kind of keep off, keep where I was. And, you know, that's all, all we're trying to do with this big of a layoff. It's tough to try to, you know, time it up to build up and stuff like that. So it's really, let's just try to maintain as much arm strength as we can and be ready to go when we get the call. Yeah, and that's going to be a fascinating aspect of this. If and when baseball, hockey, basketball, whatever sport you follow, how ready will the players truly be? Such a long layoff. Many players, they don't have that home gym or place to work out at. And these are the best in the world at what they do and highly trained and specialized training. And now they haven't been able to do it. And you're just going to throw them out there and say, go get them. Getting on a treadmill, no, that's not going to cut it. Ratings are in for NASCAR over the weekend. Their race garnered an uptick of nearly 40% from the last race that was on the air in March. The last dance averaged 5.6 million viewers on Sunday, and that was up 10% from the previous Sunday. You think we miss and won some sports? We're dying for it. It's also telling about the staying power of Michael Jordan, isn't it? That here we are 22 years later, and this documentary was gripping for some sports fans. For others, it was just entertainment. And whether or not there was a virus, would we have watched like we did? Maybe. Maybe not to the level that it got to, but certainly we would have watched in record numbers. Michael's daughter, Jasmine Jordan, was asked if that was the real Michael Jordan. You know, I think so. I think obviously it, it was it was limited. You know, it's only 10 episodes, and I think everyone can agree we could definitely show 10 more and get even more stories and exciting aspects of the team during that time, you know, my father included. Um, but I definitely think a lot of people that have watched the doc at least got to see that human side. You know, they got to see that humor, that belly laugh, and... <laughs> and genuine and authentic reactions to things that, you know, maybe fans and people watching really wanted to see. So I definitely think that, you know, the doc got to show that side of him, you know, whether it's being funny and boisterous or, or being emotional and, you know, talking about my grandfather and, and his love for the game, my dad's love for the game. But, you know, I think it was a side of him that, like you said, a lot of people didn't get to see, but the doc at least allowed him to show a bit of that to fans and everyone that was watching. Well, what we saw was winning. We saw intensity. Also, you got a good look at the business side of sports. This documentary crossed over in all of sports. Every athlete was watching, it seemed like. There was nothing else on. Players from all sports taking it in. And look, I'd love to think that all athletes want to win. I mean, that's the basic premise of why we tune in. We, we love our guys and gals, and we say, man, we're hoping they're giving 100% and they want to win just like we do as a fan. However, there is the business side of sports, as we're finding out. Can you imagine, Colin, if Jordan competed in the social media era that we do now there would be aspects of that documentary he would not want out there you know things that were way behind the scenes you don't want it out there but the marketing of him through social media that would have been unbelievable to see some of that it's hard to even imagine in today's age like you say <laughs> the different out- outlets the different platforms well, he couldn't go that anywhere. He would be able to right in, wouldn't in, be able to go anywhere already you could see it was so hard for him to get anywhere i mean to to ramp that up at an exponential level it's it's hard to even fathom what it would look like players though now can use social media and use that as their brand so maybe not be affiliated with the league or the team and just say i'm brand x And if that was the case with the powerhouse of Nike behind him, not to say it wasn't huge anyway, it would have been massive with social media and and coaching him on how to do it properly. Now, you may not have seen the real Michael Jordan, 
you would have gotten the temper down Michael Jordan, but yet you would have seen a powerhouse on social media, and it would have been incredible to see what Nike would have put behind that powerhouse. And MJ had kind of branded himself, just hadn't put a label on it. You know, we knew Kobe Bryant. Yeah, exactly. We knew Kobe Bryant is Mamba mentality. Well, that originated with Michael Jordan. He was the essence of that Mamba mentality. And I think if you were able to put that label on it and really be specific about it, like guys are in today's game, I mean, the sky... Above the sky would be the limit for what MJ would be able to pull in. Today, a big morning for the NFL. The Falcons, Texans, Chiefs, Cardinals, Colts opening up their doors for a limited number of staff and players. So that's a start. That's good news as the league eyes games this fall. Now, this caught my attention last night, and it got me thinking. LeBron James was on a podcast or something on YouTube, and he was asked about football. And if you didn't know, he played in high school, and apparently he was incredible, shocking, physical specimen. So an exceptional player, basketball and football. He was so good that he actually thought about giving the NFL a try. I had no idea how long the lockout was going to be. And and myself and my trainer, my man Sears, we we really started started to actually train to be a football player when it came to, like, October and November, we started to run. We started to clock our times with the 40s. We started to add a little bit more in our bench presses and things of that nature. We started to add more sled into our to our agenda with our with our uh, workouts. And um, you know, Mike kept talking about you know it'd be great to go down to Irvine, Texas. You know, it'd be great to go to Irvine, Texas. You know, Mike is you know he he's from Texas. Die hard, cowboy fans. You know, he's like it'd be it'd be great to go down there down there to Dallas. You know, and suit it up for the Cowboys. How great that'll be. Wes Welker going over the middle. The safety at six foot eight is LeBron James that runs a four two, and he's sculpted. Or maybe he's your tight end. Probably could have done it. He's one of the best athletes in the world. Dan Wouldn't surprise me. Dan, I've got him coming off the edge. I want him as one There's of those another pass spot. rushers getting up the field. Can you imagine with his athleticism at six foot six, look that bend he would get around the edge, his hip nearly touching the ground? I mean, it would be a sight to see. Well, you had Tony Gonzalez, you had Antonio Gates. So it got me thinking about basketball players that could make that transition from the hardwood uh, to the football field. And the first guy I thought of, the absolute first guy I thought of, If you're a Billiken fan, Hassan French. I mean, that guy could do it. He basically hadn't lifted a weight before he got to SLU and was already sculpted. And then they got him in the weight room and he's ripped up and he's got one more year. So if, you know, basketball doesn't work out, eh, tight end. He's athletic enough to do it. Plenty of those guys are. Why not? And Hassan, the way he's had four or five players hanging on his shoulder as he's gone up for shots over these last couple of years. Physical guy. He's ready. Uh, from the 314, then we'll take a timeout and hear from Taylor Twelman. As a way to recoup some money, would you buy, let's say, a $200 subscription for an uncut broadcast of games where you have the players fully mic'd up? And he said, I know this could be damaging to some guys, but I'm not sure the players would go for it. He said, I'd sure buy it and watch it. The uncut version, TVMA version of The Last Dance in baseball. Interesting thought. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the sabermetric version of games because some people have done that in the past. So you have a couple different versions, your traditional version, then the sabermetric version, then the uncut version. Just don't have your children around when a guy strikes out. That's all I can say. Or if somebody gives up a home run, you hope that pitcher isn't mic'd up. Thanks for the uh, air comfort service text line. 
and also mic drops, Rhino Shield mic drop. It's your show. I appreciate the feedback. You make me think it's always fun. Taylor Twelman coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. One of the great players in soccer history in St. Louis and now the top analyst of soccer on ESPN is Taylor Twelman, and he joins us. Taylor, is always, good to visit with you, and hopefully everybody is safe and healthy in your family. How are things going? Everything's good up here, Dan. You know me and my family, as long as I can go to the golf course, which started last uh, Wednesday, it's good to get out of the house. I think uh, all three girls have been looking at me cross-eyed like, <laughs> wait, you've been home for more than 10 days straight? Believe me, I'm dealing with it at my house. <laughs> they don't want me home anymore. As much as they yeah. used to say, we love having you home, no, 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 no. Not anymore. And I don't know if you're in the same boat, but that's what I'm dealing with. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, Germany uh, got it's back. Kind of funny. Oh, yeah, it is. Germany got back, returned with soccer without fans over the weekend. From your perspective, what was that like? Well, it, it was a breath of fresh air. You know, obviously... I think all of us in the sports world looked at the UFC and that fight card and the fact that they pulled that off as a glimmer of hope. But then when you follow it the following weekend with, you know, Bundesliga soccer, golf, NASCAR, uh, and even another UFC fight, now all of a sudden you're saying, wait a minute, this, this, this could be our reality. Now, as anything, Dan, it's remarkable to me that people were complaining on Twitter about no fans and audio and certain things. You know, those are the same people that go to a beach and complain it's too hot. Um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, I, I've i been saying this for a number of weeks here on ESPN. I, I'm a believer in something is better than nothing as long as the safety of those um, participating you know, is of the highest regard. And, and applaud Germany for me, Dan, because not getting into politics, but you have to, to a certain extent. Their state and health department were pragmatic, they were progressive, and they were transparent with how they went about testing. And that afforded them the opportunity to pull this off. You're looking at the viewership numbers around the world. It's their highest weekend ever. Uh, and I don't find that a coincidence. People are dying for for live sports, dying for some competition. Was it a little awkward for the layman fan? Absolutely, because they've never seen a 75,000-seat stadium with no fans in it. You know, you're watching 40,000 fans and no one's in that. But it, it is what it is, Dan. Like, it's this is a global pandemic, and I just think you need to be somewhat, you know, proactive in trying to address it. So I, I enjoyed the games. They were competitive. Was there rust? Absolutely. You know, some teams, I, I found out today, some teams have only trained seven days together while wow. other teams train 14. You know, I have a little bit of an issue with that, Dan, because that means the competitive the, the competitive integrity of the sport is compromised a little bit if not everyone is on the same page. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it because I do believe there's a there's a way out of this for sports if everyone's open to doing it. What are the testing protocols right now with soccer? So what are they doing with practices? What are they doing for the games? So no, well, the protocol, no, there's no interaction between the players. So other than competing on the field, when they warm up, uh, there's no showers, there's no locker rooms. When you're getting dressed, you know, you're separate uh, times and all that. So 
There's very little contact there. The testing right now is every two and a half to three days, depending on when your game is. So just say roughly every three days, someone you get tested. And so at the end of April, early May, uh, the Bundesliga tested 1,724 staff member and athletes. Only 10 came back positive. Now, some people listening to this will say, well, there's 10 positive. Well, the truth of the matter is eight of the 10 were asymptomatic. They were removed from their said teams. They're in quarantine for 14 days, and then they return. And that's how this thing's going to work. Um, it, it's worked up to this point. I think it's going to be very interesting after the first weekend. You know, what do those numbers look like as they test, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week? Uh, but in saying that, Dan, it's just it's a proactive way of addressing it and getting the season over with so they can move on to 2021. What was the players' reaction to not only coming back, and you can understand that some have fears that we're hearing about here in the United States, but also playing in front of no fans. What? How about for, for both those subjects? Well, interestingly enough, we interviewed Weston McKinney, U.S. Men's International, uh, for our show here at ESPN, and he said it was soccer, but not soccer. And I thought it was a great way to describe it, you know, Dortmund-Schalke is top five best rivalries in the world. And here you are in your first game back, and Weston's playing for Schalke, and you're playing Dortmund in a 75,000-seat stadium, and there's no one in there. It had to be odd. Mm -hmm. Uh, He described it as being odd. He described it as being unmotivating, and yet knowing that the moment you stepped onto the field and started warming up, you needed to motivate yourself. So he he describes it a very uh, interesting way. Um, how the emotions were different, and obviously the scoreline showed that, right? Dortmund was completely all over him and ready for the situation, while Schalke was not. Uh, The safety thing is, you know, what's very interesting is I have heard very little uh, on a personal aspect, talking to a number of players over there, any kind of safety concerns, but yet all of them are playing in Germany. When I talk to some English players, then it becomes a little different. Sure. I just think Germany's protocol, Dan, is so strict, and you either follow it or you don't play. I just think the players have followed it. They've been diligent enough to do it. But they also know the sooner they finish this and get the season over with, it takes the anxiety of way, away for starting the following season, and then they can figure out the protocols and how to improve that. So I just think there's been more of a commitment, not 100%. There's been a few instances where players on social media have shown mistakes in Germany, but just talking to them firsthand, uh, there's been very little concern about safety because I think the protocol is pretty strict. If you're not playing, you've got a mask on and you're sitting 12 feet from each other. Taylor Twelman of ESPN, my guest, uh, MLS to Orlando. Everybody would be down there. Do you think this is an idea that can work? I do. However, every time I address anything regarding the United States of America, I say testing. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how does our country pull together testing and without taking testing from those that really need it? So if you can do that and if there's advancements in that aspect, then absolutely. Um, you know, it's an interesting concept to kick off the rest of the season. You know, obviously Major League Soccer is in a little bit of a luxury because, you know, they've only played two games. So how do you rejuvenate the players? On the other hand, they're a little bit behind the eight ball, though, Dan, because here we are talking about Germany. Those guys were already fit. Yeah, they took eight weeks off, but they were at the end of the year. 
you're coming off a three-month offseason, and now you've taken another three months off. So you're looking at the Major League Soccer player having almost six months off in the last 12 months. That is a lot of time. So if they think they're going to be able to pull this off and allow the players to train competitively against each other for 10 to 14 days, then you're losing the opportunity to showcase the quality of the league, in my opinion. Taylor, I'm curious with what's going on here. uh, We know that St. Louis will not open up until 2022, and the stadium construction is, is continuing on. But how do you think that this affects the business side or what they're trying to do to make sure they're ready to roll by 2022? I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on that, Dan. I really do. Um, you know, 2022 is an interesting year in the in the sport around the world because the World Cup is that year. However, the World Cup is for the first time ever in December, November and December, not June and July. Uh, so that's a little bit of a wrinkle is how the rest of the world will address it. Major League Soccer's schedule currently is set up to address that fine. So that's not a huge issue. But for St. Louis, you know, Obviously, the building of the stadium, getting the infrastructure together, putting all of that together—that's up the you know utmost importance. Um, they'll be ready. You know, the Taylor family—they'll be prepared. I'm not worried about that. Do I think 2022 after this pandemic is ideal? Well, that that becomes yeah. a bigger question, right? And how does Major League Soccer address that? I would say that's a fluid situation. I'm not totally sure that it does happen in 2022. What about Austin and Charlotte if there's no season this year? So so many dominoes have to go down, you know, fall in order for everything to go according to plan. So, you know, would it totally surprise me if everything was delayed a year in MLS? No, it wouldn't. But I don't think those decisions have been made yet because obviously it depends on a lot of what happens in 2020. I I get asked all the time about what, a Cardinal game could look like on television, how we would broadcast it. What is MLS doing? And this is right up your alley. You're intimately involved with the broadcast. What would you guys do this year in terms of what you can present on television? Well, I think the most, the one thing I took away from the German games is that the moment the game kicked off, it was dull. Obviously there's no ambiance. So you can be creative in stadium. And, you know, in this notion of pumping in crowd noise, I'm not saying artificial crowd noise in the sense of you've just got cheering all the time, but you've got to create something in that stadium. Now, the games in Orlando, what we don't know yet is whether or not they'll be played in in a stadium or at the Disney Wild World of Sports. I think it's going to be at the Wild World of Sports. So, in my opinion, Dan, you get as creative as you want. There's no stadium infrastructure. There's no fans there. So you're putting microphones everywhere. You're, you're using a drone as a sky cam, which is obviously way more efficient and cheaper than you can traditionally. Uh, there's a lot of ways you've got, you've got to create it. In saying all of this, Dan, if anyone doesn't look at it as a novelty, then they're doing everyone a disservice. That's what this is. It's a novelty. So be creative. Be expansive. Uh, try new things and see what works and what doesn't. But you're, you're going to allow more access to things that you would never have allowed. Watching the golf, the charity event for TaylorMade Driving Relief, all four players mic'd up. Now, you and I would argue, Dan, that maybe all four players were boring as hell, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, but it does give you access. 
you know, it gave you a perspective that you don't get. I, I think a lot of these players, uh, you know, and if I'm talking about players in general, especially the baseball players, you've got to let your guard down and be open to this. And who knows? If you've got a personality, if you've got a creative mind, this may create a revenue stream for you because you're offering fans a perspective they would have never gotten otherwise. I'll wrap it up with this. You being a, a former player, how comfortable would you be wearing a microphone or having your coach interviewed in the middle of a game or you yourself being interviewed in the middle of a game? Would you be all right with that? Soccer's a tough one on the player being interviewed middle of a game. I have no problem being mic'd. I was mic'd as a player in 2004 and 5 um, for a little bit of a time with ESPN. So that doesn't bother me. I have no problem with that. Um, I may get in trouble with my family or whatnot if they hear <laughs> certain things, but that's neither here nor there. Um, interviewing players during a soccer game, Dan, is so hard because there's no stoppage. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the coaches should be mic'd. I think they always should be mic'd. Um, but the real, the, the weird thing is this, and you, you'll know this more than me. The coaches more often than not are boring. Their instruct, their instructions are boring. You don't get that much of an insight. Uh, you can put mics on the field that is going to catch that occasional time a coach is intriguing, but you're catching all the other stuff. You know, the one thing that the fan doesn't understand is how fast and, crunk and, and how loud the tackles are. And in that kind of perspective, um, I also look at the drone. I think ESPN is going to look at the drone as being a massive way to uh, no expand their broadcast in a, in a non you know, fan-filled stadium. That may be very intriguing, if you ask me. This is great stuff. Great insight. Always love hearing your voice, Taylor. And best of uh, luck to you and your family. Stay in good health. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. I always appreciate it. Always, my man. And hopefully see you soon. Many thanks to Taylor Twelman, one of the great soccer players to come out of the city of St. Louis. The text line is wide open. The Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Taylor came via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and sent me a mic drop as well. Rhino Shield mic drop. That was fun with Taylor Twelman. We try to mix it up. Some baseball, a little soccer. We've done some hockey on this show. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, 10 till 11, every day on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time Check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1041 in St. Louis. If you're new to this hour, 10 to 11, I'm Dan McLaughlin. Scoops with Danny Mack. Colin Surrey is our producer today. Time for some Air Comfort Service text line and also Rhino Shield mic drops. And I appreciate all those. This is your show. Let's have fun. Make me think. That's what I like. Let's go to Steven. Hey, guys, when it comes to baseball and all this innuendo out there right now, this is what I got to say. My wife and I both had COVID. It was rough. We got through it. We're much older than any ball players are. Um, I go to nursing homes every day. I deal with it. You know, we've had their back. We've bought the merchandise, got the TV packages, go to the games, got the $6 hot dogs, $10 beers. If you're an MLB player and you can hear my voice, it's time for you to have our back, man. You want to bring that game to the people. We need it. It's well put, and I think that's what most people believe in the game, whether you're an owner or a player, and I'm glad to hear that you're in better health to you, you and your wife. Uh, and that's what I was saying in the opening segment. 
get on the field. Uh, no one wants to hear about the money. And I think the fallout, if you agreed on testing and the safety and the players said, I'm willing to take that risk, I'm going to go do it. Looks like Major League Baseball has left no stone unturned. And now it comes down to money and you don't play. That ain't going to fly. It's just not going to fly. I mean, general public is just not going to go with that. They're just not. It's not going to happen. you got to get on the field and play if it's safe enough to do so. 314, Danny Mac, absolutely love the show. Would you rather see Nolan Arenado or Francisco Lindor in a Cardinal uniform? Oof. Great question. I like Paul DeYoung at short. I don't think he gets enough credit at short. I don't think he gets enough credit for his defense. I think he's getting better and better and better. So I'm going uh, I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado at third base. That's who I'd like to see. I wouldn't want to have to pay him, but I'd sure like to watch him play. Well, we wouldn't like to pay either of them, but we'd like to have them both, Dan. <laughs> That's right. And that was the question. Who would you rather see, Arenado or Lindor? I haven't seen Lindor enough. I've seen him a little bit in person. He's an uber-talented player. The times that I've seen Arenado, it's just been like jaw-dropping some of the plays he made. He's made probably the best play I've seen at Bush Stadium 3 by a third baseman. He went all the way down the left field line. And envision Bush Stadium, if you've been there, and how it kind of, the, the crowd, the seats where they're at, they jet out and there's hardly any foul territory. He was all the way down that far on a high pop-up with his back to the infield and made a catch. And it was one of the most remarkable plays I've ever seen. He also had a play at Coors Field in which he was one of the typical Arenado plays where he's kind of falling off balance, foul territory near the third base coach box and throws a strike basically from his hip over to first. And I thought, he's the only guy in the world that's making that play. I watched Scott Rowland make those plays and nobody else. Scott Rowland's the best fielding third baseman I've ever seen. Might be the best defender I've ever seen outside of Ozzie. And Arenado is in that conversation. He's that good. That good. Arenado's range is unbelievable. And then you couple it with the firecracker arm that he has. Well, the angles. The angles and how he throws. So he's got a strong arm. But how he's able to throw from the side or down from the hip or kind of like a sidearm, that's what makes it great. And then with the advent of more shifts every single year, if you want to put him basically playing shortstop as you shift on a left-handed batter, he covers all that side of the ground on the infield. That's what makes him so good. Let's go to Joshua and a mic drop. Lieutenant Dan, What's Colin, you? good morning, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for bringing Taylor on the show. And, you're probably, uh, yeah, got you're me thinking. Looking a few years down the road, what effect do you think the MLS's presence will have on St. Louis FC? Good, bad, or indifferent? Uh, I think it's going to be huge, and I think FC uh, and the Gallagher program we had Brad Davis on last week could be a feeder for what's happening for young kids. And in terms of soccer in this town, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing to have it. If you've never been to one of the MLS games, um, it's it's an event. It, it's fun. I mean, it's not like a 162-game regular season and 81 home dates where, you know, you got a 7- or a 10-game homestand. It's regional rivalries, which is what they're going to set up. And it's all day. It's the tailgate. It's the fun afterwards. What I can't wait for, and we're going to have it at some point. I try to be positive. You're going to have a night or a day, and it's going to be a baseball game at noon and a blues hockey game maybe in the middle of the afternoon that's playoffs or an important game down the stretch. And then that night might be the soccer game. And you spend your entire day down town and enjoying sports which we are an incredible sports town that's what we're known for i always tell people we don't have the beaches we don't have the ocean we don't have mountains 
We got sports, and we love our sports. This is from the 314. Danny Mac, love this show. Can you imagine BT after giving up a long call on a TV MA broadcast? Well put. Because <laughs> uh, I saw it when he wasn't mic'd up. BT told me a story that at Fenway Park, he knocked himself out. He punched himself and knocked himself out uh, when he went into the clubhouse or the dugout, one of the two. And he was so upset, he uh, he punched himself and knocked himself out. Is that is that more of a testament to BT's strength or a... Uh kind of an indictment on his chin i don't i don't know which one to go with <laughs> that's a good question maybe a little <laughs> bit of both uh bt was a great competitor i you know i've said this all the time and you know he's got that self-deprecating style and humor and puts himself down and i, I always want to tell him I, I say bt you understand that you know when you put yourself down you still are one of the best in the world at what you do it's only 700 plus guys that can do this in the world and you did it you were one of the best you got a ring to show for it you pitched in the world series that's a big deal and especially when he came on in those first couple of seasons he was lights out he was nails out of the pen of course they mixed trying to get him into the starting rotation a little bit and you wonder if that had something to do with the development of it but i mean you can't talk about a better guy bt is the man he's the best danny mack love the show over under three player ejections per game when joe west is the umpire with these new proposed rules in major league baseball um i will take i'm going to say if he's the home plate umpire I'll take the over just to have a little fun with it. Why not? When he threw out, I don't know if you remember this, Matt Holliday, uh, probably five, six years ago, had a streak going of being on base, whether it be walk hit by pitch, uh, base hit, and he tossed him. I think it was after like his third at bat, and he would have probably had one more at bat. I couldn't believe he tossed him. Probably didn't even realize it was going on, but Holliday set the record, and I was just shocked that that happened. 6-3-6. If baseball doesn't come back and then a strike the, the uh, year after that, don't you think soccer will be even more popular? Um, time will tell. I mean, I do think they're going to play this year. They're going to get on the field, and whatever that looks like, it looks like, and then you regroup. You do have another year of uh, baseball next season. Could get very contentious, depending on what happens these next couple of weeks. These next couple of weeks are not only big for what goes on to have baseball in 2020, but it really could set the stage. Good blood, bad blood, good feelings, good relationships, and what happens beyond this year. Remember, there have been a lot of folks that felt that, that teams were tanking and players, agents, you know, talked about that even prior to all this stuff and didn't like it one bit and said, now, wait a minute, you know, the Baltimore Orioles are spending... What is it, fifty-five or sixty million dollars in their payroll? That's not competitive, and there's there's truth to that. So, you know that was going to be addressed anyway. And then seeing how this is handled, and if players take a second cut, or if this is the only cut, or and, and then it gets ugly, and they're going to try to get something back on both sides, that's where I get concerned. And I do say, I just say, soccer is going to be big in this in this town anyway. It's a great soccer town, and. The ownership is as good as you get, so they're going to do the right thing. It's Ribs and BK, and the crossover is next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Oh, I love talking uh, hockey with Jamie Rivers. I miss doing the hockey. I really do. I, I, I enjoyed do. it. I really, I just, and I'm not just saying it because you're you're sitting here, but I, I enjoyed the players. I mean, the players are just great to deal with. Fun guys, good people. Um, incredible athletes, you know, it was just, it was a fun time in my life to do that. And, um, 
And hockey at that time in St. Louis, now it's just exploded. But even back then, it was just starting to really, mm-hmm. I don't know if start is the right way to put it, but there were so many interesting characters over the <laughs> years. You know, Holly, Bernie, <laughs> Sutter, you know, all these guys, oh, guys Oates. Yeah. Um, and I was watching, I love watching NHL Network. So I was watching uh, NHL Network over the weekend, and they were going through Gretzky's championships in uh, in Edmonton. He was my favorite player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't play hockey as a kid. Played baseball, basketball, soccer, track. You know, he did everything else, but we didn't play hockey. With a lot of street hockey, just didn't play ice hockey. Yeah. So, uh, but I loved watching Gretzky. I mean, the, the night that he had the incredible evening at, at the arena, I was there. Made me a fan for life. You played with Gretzky, against Gretzky, for Gretzky. <laughs> yes. Tell me about Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> wow. First of all, as a teammate... He was an amazing teammate. You know, you walk in the very first day. I'm a young guy. I think I'm 19 at the time, maybe 20. And we just made the Gretzky trade. And I'm like a kid on Christmas morning, right? Yeah. Because I grew up, this is the great one. You know, like I had stickers of Wayne Gretzky all over the place at home. And so I, I walk in the locker room. I'm trying to play it cool. You know, hey, I'm in the NHL. Yeah, right? I'm we're cool. peers. I totally dork out. And I see him like at the end of the locker room. And walk over, and I, I swear, I don't even know what, I don't know what he saw, but what I felt was like, I felt like an autograph seeker, like, hi, Mr. Gretzky, you know? Yeah. And I walked over, and before I could say anything, he got up, and he goes, hi, I'm Wayne, nice to meet you. And I wanted to say, yeah, no bleep, you're Wayne. Yeah. I know who you are, you know? But I shook his hand, told him who I was. He goes, oh, yeah, Jamie. He's like, you had a heck of a junior career. I had a lot of points at... I just, like, stopped dead in my tracks, and I was like, what? he actually knows who I am, for awesome? one thing. And second of all, like, he actually knows, like, about me, like, my past. That's awesome. Yeah, so to me, that was, like, such a moment where I was like, okay, so you're the greatest person, in, or greatest player in the world, yet you're knowing your teammates before you shake hands with them, and you've done a little bit of background check, or maybe you just pay attention all the time to things, but it really, really struck me as like an incredible moment did guys kind of tiptoe around him i've been around baseball players especially when mcguire was doing his thing in 98 99 even his own teammates it seemed like they just not that they were standoffish it was just they were just tiptoeing around him understand that this is right now this is the best sports figure maybe in the world i mean you can make that case at that point with mcguire what helps with gretz's interaction with the team was holly Okay, because Holly, Holly could give him trouble. Yeah, Holly would always, you know, give him trouble about things. He'd grab his stick in the locker room, look at the curve, and then he would just say, "It amazes me that you can even play, let alone have records <laughs> right. with this thing." And so it normalized Wayne quite a bit. And you know, my personality—I'm kind of a goofy guy—and so being buddies with Holly, and then so you, you get to be drug along for lunches and dinners and stuff. And so I got to know Wayne a little bit too. So now you've got this total like. Nobody, and I'm kind of giving it to Wayne from time to time, right. and he likes it too because he's guys got, wanted that they want to be part of yeah, it. Yeah, and he's literally got almost like a janitor, me, like right. giving him guff over something, <laughs> right? And so, but he, uh, to me, he had a great personality. He loved to be with the boys. He loved to have cocktails with the guys, tell stories, hang out, take care of everybody around him. So I have nothing but amazing. Amazing experience. Favorite. I'll wrap, uh, wrap it up with this, and I'm gonna find out what's coming up. Favorite Wayne Gretzky story. What is it? You have one? Oh, boy. Um, you probably well, have a piece of memorabilia or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to lim- I hate bringing this up, but we got eliminated by Detroit. Mm-hmm. Double overtime. Stevie Eisenman, you know, the goal heard around the world. Yeah. And on our way back from Detroit, 
I was a young guy at the time, and so Holly and, and Gretz and those guys grabbed me and a couple other young guys and said, hey, where are we going tonight? <laughs> so, you know, I was like Julie, over, go, I was like Julie yeah. McCoy, right, from the Love Boat. Right. Like, I'm going to be the coordinator here. So we set up an evening at a couple of establishments when we get back, and the biggest thing was taking care of Gretz. And I knew at that time, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get as wild as I'd like to. I'm going to make sure Gretz is taken care of because he asked me to set this up. I'm going to make sure things are roped off. We have people in place. So basically, I, I helped out. I didn't say take care because he's Wayne Gretzky. Right. I helped out all through the night, get Wayne around from one place to the next. And when finally, when Wayne was done, which was kind of like weekend at Bernie's, like he was sure. done. Sure. We uh, we you know, threw an arm around him and walked out with him. And Gretz was just a small guy. He's like 165 pounds, soaking wet, you know. So I'm carrying him, acting like we're both walking out together, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm carrying him. We get him back to where he was staying at the hotel, uh, Ritz Carlton at the time, down Clayton. And I uh, got him up to bed, tucked him in, a couple of Advil, a couple of bottles of water, you know. I was like, yeah, I just tucked the great one in. Awesome. Got out of there. And he never showed up for meetings. We know the story. He didn't like Iron Mike. That relationship was over. But when I got down to the ring for my meeting, um, when I picked up my equipment, in my sticks that were taped up, Silver Easton, a, oh, a Wayne man. Gretzky one, and it was signed on the blade. Hey, Rivs, thanks for everything. Wayne Gretzky. How awesome is that? Yeah, it was incredible. I still have it to this day, and it's just like, this is a great moment. That's great. What do you guys have coming up on the show? Well, we got, of course, we got the regular baseball stuff. What's good? What's bad? Are yeah. the owners good? Are the owners bad? Do the players stink? You know, that <laughs> kind of thing. We've also got uh, Jared Diamond coming up. It should be an interesting one. You, you yourself said that's going to be an interesting talk. It is. He's really on the business side of baseball, writes for the Wall Street Journal. I follow him, uh, read him religiously. He's very good, very tight end, so that'd be good. So, yeah, we're going to take a look, probably get a little bit of a different angle there yeah. with Jared, and then obviously we got our good buddy, JR, Jeremy Rutherford, our Great. Blues Insider, hopefully shed some light on uh, hockey coming soon. That would be nice. Always great to see you. Have a great show. Thank you very much. Colin, great job. We've got Ribs BK coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.